G'day, this is an abridged version of the episode that you can hear in full by signing up at uncomfortableconversations.substack.com slash subscribe. Enjoy the freebie. G'day, humans. Imagine, if you will, you're walking down a street on an evening in Brooklyn, in New York. It's, a, it's an early summer's night. It's hot and uh, it's muggy. And a uh, little cobblestone street, you hear from coming inside a pub, a bar, a dive bar, some laughter, and you push open the door and you go inside and you can smell the stale vodka. And in a back room of this bar are four people on a stage, one of them some Australian host, three of them fabulous, smart, funny individuals bantering about the week's news. You get yourself a cocktail and uh, you perch yourself down on a bar stool and you listen to them banter. That was the vision for We The People Live, the first podcast I ever did. It launched in June of 2015, and uh, it was my attempt to just think, uh, well, if I was going to do like a panel show about the news with uh, smart, funny people bantering about the news, what would I do? The podcast then evolved into just being my version of a, uh, an interview show, which became a precursor, I suppose, to this show. But this is, from the archives, never before heard since uh, We The People Live went extinct some years ago, uh, episode one of We The People. My producer at the time had reached out to uh, Jim Norton, who is a legend, an icon of the New York comedy scene, a radio titan and a stand-up god. And bizarrely, he said, yeah, I'll do it for free. I'll come down to your rinky-dinky little pub and uh, banter. You can just buy me some drinks. He joined Abby Crutchfield and Kevin Allison. They were fantastic. The whole thing is rough around the edges as hell. But it's just interesting if you're interested in what was going through our minds and what we were trying to do at the time. It is surreal to hear what our attitude was towards the news as well. This is June of 2015. So Obama is the president. Trump is not yet by far the nominee. Believe it or not, this is the week that Donald Trump announced his candidacy for the Republican nomination for the presidency. And you will hear from the way that we discuss it and how little time we give to it. What a joke it was perceived to be. We're on, We're talking about Ted Cruz. We're talking about Marco Rubio. We're talking about Jeb Bush. And uh, Trump is a footnote. Uh, this also happens to take place in the week of, do you remember the Charleston, South Carolina shooting? A white supremacist shot up a black Methodist church. So this is directly off the back of one of these horrendous tragedies that taints this a bit, but it's also just a beautiful time capsule. I hope you find this interesting as an artifact, the first episode of We The People Live. We are living in a time of change. Do you realize when Benjamin Franklin was born, the internet did not even exist? But today, Information travels around the web at literally hundreds of miles an hour. It used to be that journalists decided what was true, based merely on what was true. Today, thanks to social media, the people decide what's true. For the people are always right, and always will be, and always have been. It was the people who supported the abolition of slavery. And before that, just slavery. It's the people who got us out of the war in Iraq. And the people who got us in.
There's no such thing as the truth, but there is such a thing as popularity. That's why you're here. You are the people. I am the people, singular person, really. And this is We the People. I So I want you to get your phones out, make sure that you're following at WTP underscore live, and we'll be asking questions throughout the show that you can use to engage with us, and at the end of the show, you'll be able to vote for which panelist won the news. Uh, <laughs> if you'd rather communicate, uh, if you'd rather communicate using uh, your mouth instead of your fingers, please feel free to, uh, to do so. You really don't need to be recording this. Are you recording this? We're already recording this. You know, I don't need that. Okay, that's fine. Put it away. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, you want to, if you want to ask a question live, then please feel free to put up your hand and I'll try to, uh, I'll try to come to you. If you're listening to the podcast, still follow us at WTP underscore live. Send us your comments and questions for upcoming shows and to upcoming guests. When we were devising this show originally, uh, my producer Grant said to me, what would be the ideal news events? that would happen in the week leading up to the launching of your comedy news show. <laughs> and I said, I'd like a really, really slow news week with one massive murderous tragedy <laughs> for best comic effect. Well, we got our wish on Tuesday, a young white supremacist in South Carolina, of course, drove to the oldest African-American congregation in the South and sat with an intimate Bible study group for an hour before murdering nine of them. Uh, we will talk about racism and guns and the Confederacy, but I want to touch briefly on the responsibility of the media in lionizing these guys in a way. His picture has been everywhere. His name has been everywhere. There have been profiles. of I can't count the number of times that I've seen photos of him. Isn't that Jim sort of what these people want. Yeah, and the press kind of knows they're doing it, but they don't care. So it's just, what are you going to do? Just I just I don't read it. I didn't read the manifesto. I'm not interested in what he has to say. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing he's going to say where I'm going to go like, oh, that makes sense. That's why you killed everybody. <laughs> he has nothing of value to add. So when they print his manifesto, I find it irrelevant. His motives, if he picked up shit and ate it, I wouldn't wonder why he did it. I'd say, he's crazy, and I don't care why he did that. Well, I mean, but we know why he did it, but also just because of, I mean, the whole context, right? I mean, I, you know, the, one of the South Carolina governors, Haley Barber, or, anyway, she, Nikki, Nikki Haley, that's right. She said, we can't possibly fathom why anyone would do something like this. He was wearing, like, racist flags on his lapel. It was literally, he was wearing his reasons on his sleeve in a very, very literal sense. That's not why he did, did it, though. That's why he chose black people. But why did Daniel Lanza choose kids? Why did James Holmes choose random people in a movie theater? That's the thing they all have in common. They're crazy. Like who, who they choose maybe has something to do with their inner hatred. Lanza maybe hated his mother and wanted to kill kids. Or this guy hates black people, so he killed black people. But the thing they have in common is they're all batshit crazy. 
That's what they have in common. It has nothing to do with the other stuff. It's all about their mental illness. That's why, that's why they do stuff like that. Abby, in terms of, yeah. Well, I was going to say on the subject of giving this guy a spotlight, I know t- Twitter was up in arms about, like, stop saying his name, you know, don't really show anything, but then the media, of course, has to not only show his picture, but also darken the edges to make him look a little edgier, and like you said, release the manifesto. And I cynically feel like we are going to get that movie that shows the, the steps that led up to this decision because, I don't know, people want to know why. They we, want to know what led to it. One thing that there have been lots of scientific studies that we also know is that when you publish the names and identities of people who commit suicide, you get an uptick in suicides. When you, when you, publish, oh. when you publish the names and the identities of people who do stuff like this, then it, it feeds into the glorification complex and, you, and it, makes, it makes it more likely. So I don't. why do we even need to have his name? Why do we even need to have his... Face. Isn't everything that's relevant about this obtainable from the event itself without knowing who he is? Or at least paint him as the little worm that he is. Right. I don't think we should hide his name. I mean, you know, Oswald killed Ken. The name is not going to make people go out and do it. But you don't, like you said, you don't have to lionize him. Don't make him an anti-hero. Just show him. Show what a broken, empty, little nothing he was. And concentrate on those facts. Don't concentrate on what a frightening demon he was. Or show those stupid photos of him sitting there with a flag, and it's just you know. Yeah, the fear grows; it gives him like powers. I think that one thing that I question is that we do often say, "Oh, it's mental illness, mental illness," but how many of these people are clinically considered mentally ill in some way? I think a lot of these people, like I did read parts of his manifesto. This guy is speaking very clearly, has a plan wants to be lionized and is working right into the media's story that we do over and over again. And I think that, you know, some of these people, I I think that bigger issues over maybe mental illness, because a lot of the mentally ill, like the vast majority of the mentally ill harm no one, are are actually quite vulnerable. And I think that uh, he, the, the instances like this, it's, it's really the racism, the misogyny, the hate that we have to focus on in the society, as well as the, the, the way that the media loves this narrative. Sociopaths, and again, I'm not a, I'm a high school dropout, but... <laughs> so, I don't know what lionizing means. I'm learning it. I, I would never have said lionizing if he didn't say it. I stole that. I hijacked that to sound smart. I would have said, made him tough looking. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's sociopaths are apparently... Like Ted Bundy, you can't deny, was a mentally ill person. But the sociopaths and a lot of psych, uh, psychotics are very smart people. They're smooth people. But, you know, sometimes we just understand things about, look at his stupid haircut. Every picture they show, he looks like Lonzo. They all have that stupid bug-eyed look. Sometimes you can just, we understand things about each other because we're animals. When you're on the train, you don't need a psychologist to tell you who's fucking crazy and who's not. If you can sit there, even though this guy is a racist, the ability, I know, I've known, you're right, most mentally ill people are not murderous psychopaths. Most racists don't go out and kill people either. Mm. But even a hardcore racist, to be able to sit there with nine people and humanize them. Like he said he actually liked them and then still be able to kill them. I mean, that's, that's just amazing. Like, that's so, a new level. That's completely, you're crazy if you can do that. I was reading a stat today that said that, uh, that said that three to five percent of violent crimes are committed by the mentally ill. Which, so 95 to 97 percent of violent crimes are committed by mentally otherwise stable people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this guy is in some sense a sociopath because, as you say, he was able to feel empathy for people and then completely ignore it. Yeah. But, but I don't think you can look past the ideological content, the cognitive content of what these people are trying to do. 
I mean, it's a bit like jihadis or Islamists, right? Mm. I mean, but yes, they have to. They are kind of crazy in order to be able to behead people. But they wouldn't be doing it, and they wouldn't be doing it in the way that they're doing it if it wasn't wrapped up in an ideology that motivates them to do it, where they actually think they're fighting for something worthwhile. Let's yeah. say that he had done it a week earlier, like he said, while he was drinking with his his, his buddy is a black guy. They're drinking together, and he said, "I want to go shoot up a college." That was what he said a week earlier. So if he had done this a week earlier, nobody would be saying we would be like, "Well, yeah, this guy happened to be a racist," but then he went and shot up a college. To me, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm not saying it doesn't matter the victims, but the people you choose to kill is not the issue. It's, it's who you are that makes you do that. This is the exact same person as James Holmes, and he's the exact same person as Daniel Lanza. They're, the, they're all three of them are the exact same person. So what's the difference? Well, we don't know. We don't know whether or not in the absence of his intense racism and, and, and the culture that he was brought up in and the crazy ideologies that he was reading, whether or not he would have killed people doing it. I mean, it's a, it's a counterfactual. No, and if he didn't have a gun, he wouldn't have killed people. I mean, there's always... Well, there's let's always talk about that. I'm glad yeah. you raised it. The gun debate's going to come up again and nothing's going to happen right. again. Uh, mm-hmm. The day after the shooting, President Obama gave his 14th post-mass shooting speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just take a listen to a clip of it. I've had to make statements like this too many times. Communities like this have had to endure tragedies like this too many times. We don't have all the facts, but we do know that once again, innocent people were killed in part because someone who wanted to inflict harm had no trouble getting their hands on a gun. At some point, we as a country will have to reckon with the fact that this type of mass violence does not happen in other advanced countries. Kevin, does America have to reckon with that fact? I mean, it's never given a shit about what other countries do with their pansy gun, pansy communist gun laws in the past. Why is it going to start now? Yeah, it's it, it's really troubling to me because I understand the argument that you know uh, we. I, I I mean, the situation in the Revolutionary War where they wanted everyone to have arms was also very immediately important to them in order to found the country, right? Um, now we're a very well-established nation, and the idea that if you have a gun and you want to, and the government all of a sudden becomes a fascist totalitarian, you're not going to be able to do anything anyway. You know, I, I mean, the, well, yeah, the, I mean, the government has nukes in the 101st Airborne. What are you going to do? With <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I really do feel that it should be harder to get a gun, that some of these guns that you actually are built to take out like dozens and dozens of people at a time, no one needs that. The people who get guns in order to, for their own safety, not hunting, just safety, end up much more likely to be killed in a gun accident. Uh- you know, it's funny, we always look for like the one reason, but you know, the gun lobby will automatically come out and go like, they should have been having a gun in their Bible and they would have shot, you know, no matter what happened, <laughs> nobody can agree that it's a combination of factors. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I've had a, it, it, racism is of course a part of why he did this. Mental illness is a part of why he did this. And the fact that he could just get a gun from his stupid father. His father, by the way, is shit because his father knew that he had a dud of a son. There's no Ooh. way you raise someone for 21 years and don't realize that he's a dud and he still gave him a gun. So there's a whole lot of factors. It's not just one thing. Yeah, and then like, where were the parents? I mean, there's a lot of issues, exactly what you're saying. I thought when, when you're talking about mental illness, it was going to detract from the race comment or like the institutionalized racism dialogue that's been created. And then when Kevin brought up the gun lobbyists, I don't think it's, yeah, like you were saying, Jim, I don't think it's one issue. And I think if it raises all the issues, then good. Let's just talk about all of them. Let's let everybody who thinks they know what the reason was talk about it. Uh, Obama tweeted uh, this. Here are the stats. Per population, we kill each other with guns at a rate 297 times more than Japan, 
49 times more than France, 33 times more than Israel. Uh, I want to touch briefly on the Confederacy as well. Uh, obviously, the, the Confederate flag is still flying on, um, on the state capital, on the grounds of the state capital in yeah. Colombia. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz was asked about this, and uh, he, uh, he disagreed that, it should, that they should change anything. He said, I understand those who want to remember the sacrifices of their ancestors and the traditions of their states. Not the racial oppression, but the historical traditions. I love that. What, what are these? What are the? Is it the? Is it the finely polished wooden like long drop toilets that are full of shit? Is it, <laughs> of is it the dysentery? What are the historical traditions of the Confederacy that are so remarkable, other than slavery? Yeah, the, the Confederates, when they established what their government was to be founded on, they said that the bedrock, the first and foremost principle of their government was that black people were un unequal. So that is officially what that flag symbolizes and what so many people who died in that war were fighting for or against. And we now have the ability to look back and say, that was super fucked up. You were dead wrong. Let's get rid of that.